Do you know what I love? Do you know what I love? It's when government agencies try to get cheeky and name their projects fun names. For instance, our military currently has a project that is available for bidding called Project Jedi. And no, this is not another Ronald Reagan-era Star Wars project, although, connection, Jedi actually stands for something. Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure. Yeah, I call bullshit on that one, too. I have been talking about Project Jedi in some form for the better part of six months. Initially, it was because of some of the reactions of the IT firms that were competing for this business. There was some very unusual behavior happening. At this point, they're just submitting the bids. Nothing has been selected yet. But there's $10 billion on the table, and people are going to get a little crazy. So this week, we're going to talk about getting crazy with $10 billion and a project called Jedi. I'm Joey Lombardi, and this is SourceCast episode 132. So what is Project Jedi? According to DefenseSystems.com, because of course there is a DefenseSystems.com, and I quote, Technically, this isn't a direct quote because there's a lot of typos in the text. So, almost a direct quote. The Jedi Cloud is being designed for speed and the flow of data and analysis to combat troops. In the absence of modern systems, warfighters and leaders are focused to choose between foregoing capabilities or slogging through a lengthy acquisition, rollout, and provisioning process. The RFP continued to say, A fragmented and largely on-premises computing and storage solution forces the warfighters into tedious data and application management processes, compromising their ability to rapidly access, manipulate, and analyze data at the home front and tactical edge. So that sounds cool. It's about cloud technology and accessing data in places where people need to get data because it's hard to get data. So one of the sticking points in the summer that got all of the cloud suppliers riled up is that the RFP was designed to be a single award solution. For those of you that aren't sourcing nerds, sometimes when there is a bid, there is a project that a company or a government agency wants people to submit proposals on. The company or government agency may choose to break up the bid and provide it to multiple companies. And there's a variety of reasons why someone would want to do that. In case one group is failing, there's some redundancy. Sometimes you just might want to spread the money around a little bit. But the government is adamant that this has to be a single award, a single solution provider. And this news in the summer royally pissed off Oracle, Google, IBM, because they think that the bid favors Amazon. To that point, an article from thenextweb.com by Tristan Green states that Amazon is likely to win the $10 billion Pentagon contract. And I quote, Accusations that the Pentagon has had a specific company in mind the entire time aren't entirely unwarranted. When specifically asked if the stringent requirements for the contract were designed specifically so that only Amazon's cloud service, AWS, would meet them, the government failed to provide a response. If Amazon gets the contract, AWS will potentially have a 10-year reign as the single provider, innovator, and host for the Pentagon's most ambitious cloud project to date. I talked about this a few times in the summer, both on the blog and on the podcast. Specifically, Amazon has a security clearance designation or rating that none of the other cloud providers have, which is what spun Oracle up. Because this clearance is a requirement to successfully gain this bid, the government is willing to work with these companies to get the level of certification required, but this seems to be a sticking point. There is a TechCrunch article by Ron Miller stating, 
what each cloud company could bring to the Pentagon's $10 billion Jedi cloud contract. Specifically talking about Amazon, and I quote, they are by far the most dominant cloud infrastructure vendor, and they have the advantage of having scored a large government contract in the past when they built the CIA's private cloud in 2013, which was for $600 million, I might add. It also offers GovCloud, which is the product that came out of the project designed to host sensitive data. Many of the other vendors worry that that gives them a leg up on this deal. The article goes on to say that Amazon has a maturity that the others lack, and they're still innovating, and that makes them difficult to compete with. Now that we understand that Amazon is the favorite, let's understand Oracle's position and why they've been so vocal about the way the RFP was written. There's an article from the Washington Post by Aaron Gregg stating that Oracle challenges Pentagon's multi-billion dollar cloud contract before bids are even submitted. This is true. Again, the bids were due this week. Per the article, Oracle started protesting long before contractors had even submitted bids alleging that the procurement of what is called the Joint Enterprise Defense Infrastructure has been problematic from the outset. Oracle accuses the Pentagon of failing to adhere to procurement regulations and pursuing a strategy that will hurt the U.S. military technology's prowess. And I quote, The technology industry is innovating around next-generation cloud at an unprecedented pace, and Jedi virtually assures the DoD will be locked into legacy cloud for a decade or more. The single award approach is contrary to the commercial technology industry's multi-cloud strategy, which promotes constant competition, fosters innovation, and lowers prices. But on the flip side, does the government want to engage at this moment in having to open up the bid to multiple suppliers and then having to patch together a solution to make all of these different technologies and different technology providers work together? In fact, the Washington Post article states, that the Pentagon has explicitly said it wants to rely on multiple clouds for its overall strategy. However, it is committed to selecting a single provider for JEDI, which officials have described as a pathfinder effort to help the agency build technical know-how. So while Oracle and IBM are screaming about the design of the RFP, Google, who was also a potential bidder, has dropped out. And up until a couple of weeks ago, Google was still trying to get this business. But on October 9th, they announced, and I quote, we are not bidding on the Jedi contract because first, we couldn't be assured it will align with our AI principles. And second, we determined that there were portions of the contract that were out of scope with our current government certifications. Meanwhile, on October 12th, Microsoft employees published a letter on Medium.com urging the company to pass on the Jedi contract. I should note that Microsoft has a higher clearance level than Google and is even better positioned to potentially win this contract. Here's a quote from the Microsoft letter that was published on Medium.com. Many Microsoft employees don't believe that what we build should be used for waging war. When we decided to work at Microsoft, we were doing so in the hopes of empowering every person on the planet to achieve more, not with the intent of ending lives and enhancing lethality. For those who say that another company will simply pick up Jedi where Microsoft leaves it, we would ask workers at that company to do the same. A race to the bottom is not an ethical position. Like those who took action at Google, Salesforce, and Amazon, we ask all employees of tech companies to ask how your work will be used, where it will be applied, and act according to your principles. We need to put Jedi into perspective. This is a secretive $10 billion project with the ambition of building a more lethal military force overseen by the Trump administration. The Google workers who protested these collaborations and forced the company to take action saw this. We do too. I made a comment on last week's blog about the Google withdrawal, that perhaps the company was attempting to save face because they felt like they would not be competitive in this bid. I have slightly different opinions about the Microsoft letter. 
Microsoft is clearly working with the government on a variety of projects and in different areas. I can't imagine you're going to walk into a government office and see a Linux or Apple computer. Most of the government is powered on Windows, just like corporate America. So it's a weird position for Microsoft employees to take. But this topic bubbled up in the summer when Hispanic families were being separated. Microsoft employees noted that some of their technology was being used in those efforts and were not happy about it. So here's another example where they can potentially get in front of that PR nightmare and prevent the company from potentially getting a reputational ding sometime in the future when the technology gets implemented. From a developer's position, it's a tough situation to be in. I'm not necessarily sure that the guy who invented PowerPoint is pleased that most of the military presentations for bombings and other aggressive actions, they're probably presented on his technology too. But these tools are invented, they're out there, and they're going to find applications that they were not necessarily intended at their origin point to fulfill. And I'm glad that I waited a week to do this podcast because Wired featured an interview with Jeff Bezos, written by Natasha Tiku, and he talks about this exact subject. And I quote, The Amazon founder seemed baffled by the wave of employee dissent that has torn through tech companies over the ethical implications of government contracts. It doesn't make any sense to me, Bezos said, of tech companies pulling back from government work. One of the jobs of the senior leadership team is to make the right decisions, even when it's unpopular. Bezos' eagerness to cooperate with the Pentagon seems to stem from his desire to keep America safe. I like this country. I know everybody is conflicted about the current politics and so on, he said. But this country is a gem. During his defense of defense work, Bezos also grazed on the topic of immigration. There aren't other countries where everybody's trying to get in, he said. I'd let them in if it were me. I like them. I want them all in. But this is a great country, and it does need to be defended. And I have to say at this point, I agree with what Jeff Bezos is saying. The government is in a position where it does have to defend its technology and its information. And if developers are unwilling to work with the government because of potential military applications, it does put the United States at a strategic disadvantage and potentially leaves our information vulnerable for hacking. Information like social security numbers and addresses, that's information that everyone got furious about during the Equifax hack. But that's information that any government agency or hacker could gleam if the United States information isn't secure. Additionally, if we have a situation where we have double agents or agents in a foreign country, if that information is not secure on whatever platform the government decides to use, that could put people's lives in danger. I'm certainly no fan of the current administration, but that doesn't mean that technology and progress stops, or it should stop, especially when it means national security. It's not a comfortable topic, but it's not like the other countries are stopping their efforts to get information and do whatever the hell it is that they're doing. These are interesting times. I've never, in my 20-year career, seen so much activism and open conversation of company employees about the direction of where their company's heading, especially publicly. The fact that Google, Amazon, and Microsoft employees have taken to the press, have written formal letters asking their leadership to back off of certain projects, it's kind of unprecedented. And there's a part of me that thinks it's refreshing and it's good to have these conversations. But there's another part of me that says the government has been the focal point of driving technology and innovation in this country since the very start. A lot of the food that we buy at the grocery store, especially the frozen items and the canned items, a lot of that technology is a direct result of the military's research and investment on food preservation for rations for soldiers. So again, historically, to take the current political climate out of the conversation, the government's investment in technology has always been seen as a good thing 
a progressive thing that moves and advances our society forward. We would not all have GPS on our phones if it were not for the U.S. military. It's easy to say screw the government right now. We have access to so much information, small-scale bombings, drone attacks, and it's terrifying. And I don't want to compare it to an arms race and say, well, yeah, but everybody else is doing it. But until the government does its job and figures out a way to stop everyone from doing it or coming to an agreement that everyone has to stop using some of these techniques, they're sort of forced to invest in them and understand how they work and understand and make sure that we're protected from attacks using this technology. So there we have it. I'm defending the U.S. military against the opinions of developers from Google and Microsoft and Amazon because that's reality and there's a bigger picture. And that's all we have for this week. You can find Sourcecast on iTunes, Google Music, and all of your favorite podcasting applications. Sourcecast is recorded in Bucolic, Mandurah, New Jersey, and it's produced by my dad. The outro is performed by me, Ben Lombardi, and music is provided by Patrick Lee. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.